Today we continue our journey through the Beatitudes. Over the past two weeks, we have learned about these specific lines that make up the Beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel, as well as the general context for these verses. Two weeks ago, Dr. Adams geeked out with us and told us what a beatitude actually is, that being a type of speech in the ancient world where God declares God's favor for a group of people, followed by the specific and special status this group maintains because of God's favor, hence the happy and blessed language. Last week, Ellick brought our eyes away from our cell phones and the things that keep our vision down and invited us to look up as Jesus is proclaiming these beatitudes from a mountaintop. Today, I want to introduce another helpful piece of the context puzzle that aids us in our understanding of these popular and meaningful verses. I draw your attention to the audience of these Beatitudes. The beginning of Matthew chapter 5 tells us that when Jesus sat down on the mountainside, the disciples came to him. So we know that the disciples were there, but so far in the narrative of Matthew's gospel, the only disciples mentioned are four fishermen from Galilee. We also know that in the beginning of chapter 5, Jesus has left the crowds he was ministering to in Galilee. But by the end of his teaching in chapter 7, the crowds have suddenly returned. Since Matthew 7.28 tells us, the crowds were astounded at his teaching. So as a result, while Matthew's gospel places the disciples at the forefront of Jesus' teaching, the crowds seem to be very much present, even if they are pushed to the background or the margins of this story. So as we listen to today's second scripture lesson, I invite you to do so envisioning that you were among the first people who may have heard it. A large gathering of different kinds of people, some front and center, Others pushed to the margins, but all who were earnestly searching for healing, good news, and a call to discipleship. Today's gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Listen for the word of the Lord. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Meek is an interesting word. It brings to mind timid or passive. One might say I had a meek response when Ellick asked me to preach on the third beatitude this morning. I responded, sure, that sounds good to me. But internally, I was a bundle of nerves thinking, how am I going to preach for 15 minutes on a 10-word text? So even though we have some understanding of what meek means, it is not a word we use often in our everyday conversations or public discourse. 
So digging a little deeper into this word will give us a better understanding of what Jesus is saying in this beatitude. The Greek word for meek used in our text for today is praeis, and its Hebrew counterpart is the word used for poor. Now, this word for poor can mean economic disparity, but it can also mean, more generally, anyone who is in need of God's help. So the idea Jesus is trying to communicate in Matthew 5.5 when he uses the word meek is not people who are timid or submissive, but those who are in need of divine intervention. The meek or the poor would not be hard to find in first century Palestine. Biblical scholar Michael Gorman describes the economic structure of the Roman Empire being like the Eiffel Tower. Way at the small top is the Roman elite, who are about 1% of the population, but own almost all of the land and resources. The narrow beams that support the top are a very small supporting class that aid the elite in ruling the empire. Then the rest of the huge base at the bottom of the tower are 80, to so, 80 or so percent of the whole empire that live in a cycle of barely sustained to subsistence levels of living. This image of base poverty brings to mind the crowds growing and gathering to hear Jesus proclaim this beatitude on the mountaintop. These people span a spectrum of those begging for food to those who are to those that have jobs but are looking for security and rest from the yoke of Roman persecution. And there would be all kinds of people in between that are ultimately subjects of an empire that maintains itself through abuse of power and brutality in a way that fosters greed, persecution, and fear of others that leads to hatred. When Jesus uses the word meek in Matthew 5, he is referring to those who experience the worst the ancient world has to offer. And he's referring to those people that hold on to God because that is all they have left to keep them going. And not only is he referring of them, but through this word, he is also speaking directly to them as the crowds start to gather up the mountain, led by the sound of his voice. Author Khalid Husseini is a popular novelist and advocate who is most famous for his books, The Kite Runner, A Thousand Splendid Sons, and The Mountains Echoed, as well as his work for refugees and his work for the people of his native country, Afghanistan. His most recent book, Sea Prayer, is a beautifully written and illustrated account of a refugee father and son in the style of a prayerful children's book. The story begins with this father reminiscing of his home before the war in Syria began. 
details of how his son grew up in a time where he only knew the realities of war make up the middle portion of this book. And the book ends with a prayer from the father as he is speaking to his son, and they are both on a refugee boat out at sea. The father says, hold my hand. Nothing bad will happen. Then he proceeds to recount to himself and his son that these are only words a father's tricks. It slays your father, your faith in him. Because all I can think tonight is how deep the sea, how vast, how indifferent, how powerless I am to protect you from it. All I can do is pray. The sea prayer is a stunning example of what Jesus means by meek in our text for today. He is not talking about the submissive or the mild. Instead, he is talking about the poor who, whether through economic means or other hardships in life, have nothing to hold on to except for prayer. They are, in effect, powerless. And we all can resonate with this powerlessness. For some of us, it is lived. Struggles like gender pay gaps and fears of abuse. Generations and generations of racism and discrimination that stem from slavery. Diagnoses or mental health challenges that hold sway over our life and are out of our control. And going through every day knowing the world is set up for people who are not like you can be daunting and demoralizing. For others of us, we see this powerlessness affect our loved ones and community members when we try to support one another, when we go through addiction, job loss, aging, and other challenges of life. All of us saw this week the hurt in the world where forces of hatred and fear resulted in shootings in New Zealand. These events and circumstances are sometimes too much to bear and render us powerless at the hands of forces much greater than ourselves and sometimes even hopeless at the possibilities of justice and redemption. Like the crowds gathering to hear Jesus' teaching, we too yearn to know how God can turn such a meek, poor, and powerless existence into good news. Dr. Adams told us two weeks ago that a beatitude has two parts. The first is an identification of a group that has divine favor. The second is a declaration of a special status that we would all expect. One interesting point about the beatitude in Matthew 5.5 5, is that the meek would very much not be expected to inherit the earth in a Greco-Roman mindset that was prevalent during the first century in Palestine. The Greco-Roman world was saturated with an honor culture 
where the powerful and wealthy flaunted their status and power to indicate how great and influential they were. The Greek and Roman gods of this time were not aligning themselves with the base of the empire, who were just holding on to survive. Instead, they were fighting with one another in the clouds and choosing strong humans like Hercules to indicate their power and further their conquests. Likewise, the embodiment of power in the Roman Empire was Caesar, the ruler of Rome, who was worshipped in life, and if he was powerful enough, then he became a god himself after death. So for Jesus to say that the meek are blessed and that the powerless will inherit the earth is to turn the whole idea of power and honor on the Greco-Roman culture on its head. Jesus has a different kingdom in mind where God is worshipped, not kings, and where the culture is not to demean discriminate and destroy one another for personal benefit, but where love, grace, and sacrifice empower the powerless. In my preparation for this sermon this week, I stumbled upon an obscure and unfamiliar musical. You probably have not heard of it. It's called Hamilton. In this musical, there is a song about the Battle of Yorktown during the American Revolution where, spoiler alert, the Americans win. In the middle of the song, the battle ends and Hamilton is discussing with a friend what has happened. As Hamilton notes that the crowds are starting to gather and that he can hear their song in the distance, the chorus of the crowds starts to sing softly, the world turned upside down. And this whisper from the chorus of the crowd grows and grows and grows and grows until it becomes the foundational statement of the song and in fact the whole first act. The world turned upside down. I do not use this reference to indicate that God favored the American army over the British and the American Revolution. But instead, as you picture Jesus, climb up that mountain and sit down. As you imagine hearing Jesus proclaim in Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I invite you to strain your ears to hear the whisper of a response from the crowds coming up the hill as the sick who are asking for healing, the lost who are looking for direction, the hungry who are begging for food, the oppressed who are yearning for justice, the hopeless who are praying for divine power as they gather to hear the good news that Jesus has proclaimed on that mountaintop, you can hear their response as soft as a whisper, but as powerful as the divine breaking into the existence of the world and shaking the earth at its foundations. The world 
has turned upside down. In this beatitude, Jesus is proclaiming the ultimate turn of power. When Jesus speaks these ten words, he is proclaiming that God does not ordain the actions of hatred, fear, and greed that promote power in this world. But instead, God turns the world on its head so that grace, love, and sacrifice seize the day. In this simple sentence, Jesus is promising the hope that the powerless that we feel, the powerlessness that we feel, is not the last word, but fullness and life are the vision of God. And through this beatitude, Jesus is calling up the power within us to realize the true kingdom and earth where all reap the benefits of God's creation and love, not just some. Friends, this beatitude and its response is not fixed in its ancient context. It is alive here and now. Throughout time and across the globe, you can hear the crowd whispering, the world turned upside down. As Jesus proclaims, blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. You could hear it from actions like the civil rights movement marching in the streets to when a child helps a new student in school. You can hear it from the corners of the globe where People are raising awareness and support for refugees. You can hear it in our nation as people are working against the hatred that fuels our national discourse. And you can hear it in this room when people act out their faith in a God who feeds the hungry, listens to the cry of the despair, and perseveres in the face of life's challenges that render us seemingly powerless. For Jesus proclaims that the meek are not powerless, but are powerful. And we are called to the work of this vision and promise until it becomes a reality for all. Amen. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for giving us hope when we feel hopeless and power when we feel powerless. Walk alongside us as we are out in the sea discerning your will for us and the world. Amen.